and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of the Write Write Podcast, your weekly pep talk for living the writing life. I'm Elon. I'm John. I'm Craig. And I'm Elena. And today we're going to be talking about how to self-edit economically. Um, In the last episode, I made the startling admission that I have never edited my work. Um, And then we sort of got into an interesting meta-conversation about how uh, rewriting is a form of revising, etc., etc. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is self-editing... in a, in a positive and reasonably economical way. We talked about the fact that editing, self-editing is a no-no, um, but that's not entirely valid because it's an important part of the prog- process when applied properly and not overexerted. Um, so, John, I think this episode is going to rely heavily on your expertise as an editor. Um, how do you go about setting limits for self-editing? Well, I think... To tie back to that, there was a couple episodes ago where we talked about um, where I, I think I might I might have been the one that made that statement that you shouldn't self-edit. And I, I think there was a context to that, so I'm just going to bring it back because I think the idea is if you're going to publish your book and you think that you can just self-edit and then bypass the need for an editor, a professional third-party objective person who is going to work with you, to help you see your blind spots and to bring their expertise in beyond what you might have where you're at in a writer, self-editing will not do that. Now, self-editing can make you, I mean, you need to be able to edit your own work and and buff it up a little bit. Uh, Depending on what your goals are, it's going to help tremendously. Um, But I think it's just the idea that self-editing is a tool for making your own work better, and you can do it beforehand, you could do it during the editing process, um, but it's its own thing. It's it's not necessarily part of turning your book into a published book. I don't know if that makes any sense. I hope that made sense. <laughs> no, it did. It did. Um, I think that there's, like, something to be said, too, for recognizing, like, the difference between editing as you go and just editing your own work. Um, Because I think that, like, as a writer, it's, it doesn't make sense for you to try and edit as you're, as you're going through as much, because that'll be the thing that will stop a lot of people. Because you'll be like, I'm so determined that I have to get it right on this line. And if I can't get this line right, then I can't finish it. So, like, I think it's good, especially when working on, you know, early drafts, just kind of like get the idea out of your head and then separate that time from, you know, the time that you're going to go through and like look over it and make sure that it's grammatically sort of makes sense that the story is actually flowing how you wanted it to. But when you try to tackle both of those things in the same sitting, I feel like that psychs a lot of writers out and it's why a lot of people don't get to actually finish their work. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's a really interesting uh, element of having to turn off and on certain parts of your brain as you begin that process. Um, and when you write, you often you imagine things exactly the way that they're intended to be imagined. Uh, but translating that imagination to the page and then back into that same brain that did that might actually be difficult to to, to separate from. Uh, which is why when I read back, like when I am reading over the stuff that I've written um, as I write it, I'll usually do so aloud um, because it helps me catch errors more. Uh, more frequently than if I was just reading in my in my own head. Um, yeah, it, it's 
that is I always have to like print stuff out and look at it if I'm going to catch any of the errors because whenever I'm like when I'm looking at it on a screen I'm thinking about it in the same mode that I am when I'm writing because of the format that it's in but when I print stuff out I'm able to kind of because it's physically in my hands it kind of just helps me to like see the errors a bit easier than like swimming in my face on a screen yeah like actually Elena that's that's kind of the key trick that like a lot of um editors and just people in the industry will talk about like how to how to self-edit effectively printing your work out or putting it in a format where you cannot rewrite it or fix it is very important because it's sort of like two sides of your brain are are they're going to they're going to beat each other up if you try to edit well you, or if you try to write well you edit because you're going to try to fix everything and now you're going to create new problems and then you're just going to go in circles and start doubting yourself so it's smart to experience your work go through it and think like an editor and then when you're done that come back and think like a writer and address the little notes that you left for yourself um yeah what, what about like because i know you've done a lot of self-editing with your yeah i'm uh, someone i think i said in the previous podcast that i can't really edit myself that well um I can more or less do a proofread of my own stuff. If I'm in the situation where I do have to edit my own stuff, the key I find is I have to have a certain amount of time between when I finished writing and when I start self-editing, ideally a month or two, uh, because then I don't have the whole story fresh in my head anymore. Um, and I can look at it more like someone who's vaguely familiar with it, but doesn't memorize the whole thing word for word. Intermission. Intermission is now over. Um, Elon's distraction corner is something that you, listeners, will not be privy to. Um, John, what should you look for in your own work as you self-edit? Um, because as we, as we know from previous discussions, there are different tiers of editing, copy, developmental, proof. Um, what should you be trying to find in your own work? Well, if you're... I mean, I think it's going to differ... Uh, from writer to writer, uh, one thing that I find helps when I think self-editing mode, I mean, as Elena point mentioned, I'm, I'm right on the same page. You should make sure that you separate, I'm a writer and I'm an editor, um, because you need to get your story out, get it on the page. Don't be trying to perfect it as you write. Um, but when you come back and you look over it, I think it helps to um, give yourself very narrow focus objectives. So um, to give you an example, let's say, uh, I mean, I would recommend if you finish your draft, read it over and try not to go too crazy with fix it notes, but more just making impressions of what's there. And then pick, you'll, you'll notice that there's some themes, like one thing, to just throw an example of a book I'm working on now, A Thousand Roads, I noticed in the rewrite that I added a lot of exposition and I was reading a chapter aloud to a friend and when I was reading it out loud I went oh man I gotta cut two at two three thousand words from this chapter because this is just blah 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 and who cares um, but to me as a writer when I was writing it, it it flowed really well I got excited I was thinking it's like the Tolkien Gandalf yeah uh, Council of Rivendell moment and it wasn't right but I didn't see that yeah. when I wrote 
Um, so what happens is now I'm aware that I'm going to have a lot of exposition dumps and I will go over that manuscript with a specific intention to cut like a thousand, two thousand words per chapter mm. and cut it right down. And that's going to be its own battle. And I, and I think breaking apart what you have to do into specific objectives helps you to get through it and not feel like I've been revising this manuscript for six months now and I'm so tired and it sucks and I introduced 10 other problems. So, so that's definitely... So that actually that brings me to my next question pretty, pretty handily. Um, are there things that you shouldn't do? Like how deep should you go when you edit uh, when you self-edit, because this is this is high-level stuff. This is this is you know mechanical, basic qualities of your work. Not uh, you know you're not looking for for comma splices. Again, I think it's going to vary from writer to writer. Some writers find what they're trying to tell in their story by really sweating out those details. I mean, it's. I mean, I know for myself when I draft the first time, I like to I like to capture the beauty as much as I can. And then when I come back over it, it's the ugly part. So I want to try to find the beautiful parts that I didn't catch the first time through. And, and that's how I approach it. So sometimes obsessing over that comma splice or the sentence and how that sentence looks and does it work, does it not work? Like sometimes that that's where it's at. And I think you just have to listen to your intuition. Um, the key is just, I mean, yeah, it depends on the process that you develop uh, and how you go about it. And it's going to vary... For every writer, it's going to vary for every project. I don't think there's a simple thing. I mean, I think the best, I don't know, Craig, Elena, uh, do you have things, rules that you set for yourself when you revise your work? I mean, as I think, we'll probably all have different limits. Uh, yeah, for well, my... I know when it, oh, go ahead. I'll be super quick. Don't worry. Um, for myself, editing my own stuff, I can't do higher level edits. For some reason, I cannot look at my own stuff that way. So when I self-edit, I do the basic thing. Passive voice versus active voice, staying in the correct point of view, um, spelling and grammar, uh, plot holes. That's basically all I do. Yeah, when it comes to, to my editing, I always will like... I couldn't necessarily tell you what the tipping point is, but I know that I usually get to a tipping point where if there is X amount wrong with it, I have to rewrite it. I can't like keep the same text there. Or what I'll do is I'll just hit like, so that I don't delete the work that I have. I'll just put like a, like a line break and then just start rewriting it from right there and just keep going. Because it's like, for some reason, my brain has a hard time like separating the new ideas from the old ideas of what needs to be fixed. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of my edits and my revisions that I do end up just kind of looking like a Frankenstein of a draft that would probably make no logical sense to any normal humans. Um, so like when I then have to go show it to a friend, I always have to like reorganize it so that it's back all into one thing. Cause I just chop it all up. Um, yeah. but the things I probably look for the most when I'm, when I'm self editing are usually just like story take me from point to point to point. Um, and I think it's, that comes from the fact that like most of my, even though I've been writing novels for longer than I've been writing like short films or screenplays, um, that's what my education is in. 
And so since I've, you know, been taught how to craft a screenplay, whenever I'm looking at any kind of story now, I always break it down into the beats and the moments of the scene. So if there's something that feels off, I'll usually end up just going back and rewriting because I'm like, it doesn't make sense to have it go this way. Totally. So like, uh, I, I do a, a good amount of revision. Uh, in, in fact, like a, like an almost comical amount of revision uh, in my day in my day job. Um, writing, you know, blog articles and uh, bylines for for an online advertising company, um, and that process I actually just do total version control. So um, I will collect notes and comments on a version, and then I will type out the whole document again with those comments uh, absorbed, because it can get pretty unwieldy for me as I'm working on stuff to see that many strikethroughs or uh, changes tracked. So I will leave all the comments intact and then transpose the corrected version uh, into a new version of the document. So like my work scrivener folder is like, uh, there's a folder, and then in that folder there is, you know, like seven different versions of the same article. Um, and that's how I sort of manage those versions. And, and each stage of editing for those pieces um, is like, okay, did I capture the message that I'm being told to deliver? Um, is there an actual narrative structure to this, or am I just like yelling at someone from a from a top a surface of some kind, or you know, uh, do I address the problem? Because uh, in the, my capacity as a marketing writer, my job is to identify an issue, like a major problem that people face uh, in their daily life. Specifically, in this in this case, it's about work. Uh, to find an issue, exacerbate it, and then solve it. Um, so. So I, I need to, to make sure that I'm, I'm hitting those points pretty consistently. Uh, in my fiction, though, I, I don't have any experience with that directly right now. But thinking about it, 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 it definitely, my, my set of techniques is uh, to just complete versions, new complete versions every time. To throw a wrench in, in this whole thing, um, I was always looking for like the cookie cutter, the one, you know, the kind of one ring to rule them all revision process. and. And I had even at times devised my own system of first draft, second draft, third draft, and I'd have certain people at certain points. And I still like to have a little bit of a process. Um, but I, I wanted to find out how Pat Rothfuss, who wrote The Name of the Wind, worked on his book, because apparently he spent 14 years revising it. And it went through, I think, double digits number of drafts before it was published. And I wondered, does this guy have a process? And when I when I did find some forum posts and things that he had described it, his process is absolutely chaotic. Now, at first that discouraged me, but when I read it, it, it made me realize that he treats it kind of like a gardener in the garden. You go in there, you get your hands dirty, you look, if there's weeds, you pull them. You want a beautiful garden, give it a, you know, like go in and, and just keep giving it your love and your attention get it out to people. And, and the way he described revision, it's a very organic process. And I think that's kind of, you know, when you're creating art, any kind of art and writing is, it is an art, um, you are finished when you know exactly why you created what you wanted to create. And the process of revision and all that is about getting to the heart of that. Um, now that's on a the, art, the level of the story itself, but as far as um, editing goes, like that's a marketing thing. So, if, say 
a certain publisher picked it up and they want to sell it to the military thriller audience, they might give you a different set of editing instructions than you'd come up with. But as far as the self-editing goes, you just need to make sure that it's done to what you set out to do and trying to figure out that in its entirety. When you can go read your book over and not feel like there's anything to fix, then you're done. Incidentally, do you know if Rothfuss is a plotter or a pantser? That I don't know. Because I wonder how that would affect your revising, because I am a wannabe plotter, but definitely a pantser. Like, I will, I've looked up story structure, I've tried spreadsheets, I've <laughs> index cards, I've tried so many different options for plotting out a story, but without fail, I'll like sit down and just start typing, and that's when cool stuff happens. Um, and that and that might be why I have a hard time. Planter. Hmm? I was going to say, I call myself a planter because I'll make a really detailed plan and then I'll toss it to the wind like 10 minutes into my writing. Nice. I like that. Planter. Good hybrid. But, uh, but yeah, so like, yeah. I, maybe that's why I have trouble revising because that seems to be a very structured activity. And if you're treating it like a garden and it takes you a really long time to cultivate a beautiful garden like that, maybe he's a... Maybe he's a pantser. I get the impression he is because his his story changed dramatically over the course of writing it. So, yeah. uh, so I mean, that's not the mark of somebody who is. I mean, it can be, but it's usually when someone's a uh, pantser, they're every time they're drafting, they're deepening the layers, they're going in and and unearthing this this story. And so, as long as every time you go in, you feel like you're connecting the deeper levels of the story and you're getting closer to something awesome that you went in to, to grab, then you're, you're getting there. You know, I think revision can feel like a revolving door if you're just going in and fixing commas and changing words and, uh, and you're leaving things. You need to go in there with the mind of a writer who's going to write new stuff, even if it means yeah. making a huge mess that you have to clean up and have fun cleaning it up, you know. Yeah, do you enjoy yeah, that's some... revision? Like, John, you do. You love to revise. I love it. Oh, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> I want to set it on fire. <laughs> I just don't like... Because, okay. I, I, I mean, I've been... Because the book that I'm working on right now, um, I wrote the first draft of it um, through 2015. Uh, November and December, I completed the whole, like, 90K in that two months. And then... Right after that, I was like, okay, I'll give myself like two weeks and then I'm going to start working on the next draft and revising it and going through it. And that process just blew up for ways. And uh, I'm now, I'm still working on it. And I'm now to the point where I've stopped calling it draft two. I'm just calling it my current draft. Because mm. um, I wrote maybe 80 to 90 year of just different chunks of different drafts that I ended up like none of them are going to actually be usable and actionable for the final story I'm trying to tell mm -hmm. but I don't like regret working on them because they were all what helped me get to the pieces that I'm like oh this is what's going to go in the final book um, so I, I mean the actual process of revising I really I really don't like um, just when I'm like revising like the smaller things but the the looking back on the process of digging through, like you kind of said, like a garden, digging through like the parts of it to get to the good stuff. Like I actually do kind of enjoy that. Mm -hmm. 
And it's I, I'd never heard that analogy of comparing it to a garden, but that's actually really like beautiful and I like it. What one of the um like the plotter versus pantser, it, it has another name, kind of some older writers like George R. R. Martin, kind of from the seventies, eighties, they, they call it the gardener and the architect. So the gardener would be the pantser, mm-hmm. the architect would be the, the plotter. So plotter pantser is a more modern term that's kind of stuck out for for new writers these days um yeah i've always liked the term architect and gardener as well they, they seem to have a lot more direct uh, correlation to the experience get this vision of a creator and how they're creating their art that's what i that's what i like about that old, that term um but it's interesting hearing uh how we have I, i'm assuming elon given your confession last episode that you're not a fan of revision, or is it just that you've never done it? I've just never done it with my fiction. Okay. Yeah, because I... Because you I, revised... Yeah, work. I revised my, my day job <laughs> stuff. Uh, right. Ad nauseum. Because um, I can... Like, one thing I'm appreciating is that my... I, I'm actually the, the reverse. I'm terrified of writing a first draft. I, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I find it so hard. Once I have a draft to work on, that might be... Uh, that might be why I love editing as a as a career because I like revising story. I like I like working with something that's already there and trying to make it work better. I find it very hard staring into that abyss and wondering what needs to be yeah. there. <laughs> I I also really enjoy editing and I didn't expect myself to. Like when I started taking the copy editing courses, uh, it was it was. It was mostly because my job asked me to, and I was like, sure, I'll get a certificate in copy editing. And then it ended up like snowballing into something that I really enjoyed. And as a writer, I've learned so much from editing that I consider, like, I, I wish that more people were into it. Um, because working with other people's stories and working with other people as they try to create stories has taught me an enormous amount about creating stories um, in a very short time. I yeah. think that uh, since I started editing, I've become a much better writer. So maybe I should edit my own work. And see, I'm the total opposite. And, like, I'm the total opposite because I, I revel and delight in ways I can't even describe with real words in first drafting. Because it's just, it's it's so crazy and it's so unknown. And it's like, you have no idea what your brain is going to spit out. It just, it some of the stuff that you come up with in a first draft. And, and what I really do love seeing, though, is, like... Because, I mean, especially for the story that I'm working on, like I said, I came up with it, like, when I was, like, 13 and had no idea what I was doing. And it's weird seeing how, like, certain, like, concepts and ideas and things about certain characters that I came up with at the very beginning are kind of still part of it. But I've learned, like, how to make them make sense, but they're still in there. Like, that the craziness and the fun and the creativity of those very earliest conceptions of the story kind of stay with it. And and that's kind of what I like so much about doing first drafts is like, you just get to come up with all of these different concepts. And then the process of editing, I feel is just taking those concepts and making them make sense. But I kind of really enjoy the process of like, just grabbing in the dark and pulling them all out and be like, okay, here, this is what we got. Now let's make it look like something. Yeah, and so that, that, like, making it look like something, it's, you've pulled out all your ingredients, you've laid them all out over the table, you've got this whole mess in front of you, and then you're like, okay, well, I wanted to make lasagna. Except so, I have the materials for chocolate chip cookies. I guess I should, 
uh, yeah, and so like that that's self-editing economically isn't throw out all of the cookies. It's all the cookie materials. Cookie it's lasagna. like how can it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's use what you got. Um, maybe find a couple additional tools or or pieces that could be helpful, but um yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a cool way to think of it. Uh, just grabbing ingredients or architecting or gardening. There's a lot of really interesting metaphors for being a writer, which I suppose makes sense given that's I don't know. It makes sense. That enough said. It makes sense. <laughs> that's that. Um, so we're actually just about at time. Uh, we have a recommendation from John for a book and also a prompt. So I will let you take it away. All right, so our recommended reading this week is um, Self-Editing for Fiction Writers by um, Dave King and Rennie Brown. Uh, so this this is uh, another great book for, I mean, what we talked about today. It's kind of, uh, there, there's many books for self-editing, but this one walks you through a lot of um, issues that you want to make sure you address in your own writing before you, you move it on to either submitting to publishers or giving it to an editor for self-publishing. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that is the reading. Um, and Elon, I think you had the prompt. I don't know. If oh, I'm the prompter. That's fine. I can do that. I'm happy with that. I love, to, I love to prompt. Um, so, so the prompt this time, and I'm definitely going, I, I'm like less than a hundred words away from finishing a short story. And I'm Ooh. going to do this with my short story. And that is to set a timer and edit the piece or a chapter of a piece that you're working on, sticking sticking strictly to a single point of your edit. It can be superficial, grammatical stuff, or it can be like, you know, is character voice consistent? Whatever it is, give yourself a time limit so that you don't get bogged down in the details, um, so that you so you remain on task with what you intend to edit. Um, so I will be I will commit to checking and making sure that. Uh, that the narrator voice doesn't shift too dramatically because in the story that I'm working on, uh, the guy is very metamorphosis-esque and he becomes like a bird man. Um, so I hope that it doesn't change because I don't want it to be like a snarky, you know, know-it-all and then like a wise old bird. That's too big a transformation. So I'm going to be checking on that um, and I hope that you guys, listeners, uh, find something to, to stick to and self-edit economically. That's it for this episode. Thank you, podcasters. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, sunny sky outside. We will see you next time.